0: ERP, or Enterprise Resource Planning. The name may conjure up images or memories of large systems that can take years to implement, or perhaps even longer to upgrade. In this episode, we'll talk to someone who shares with us how we, as ServiceNow developers, can become close partners with our ERP brethren by leveraging the power of our platform. Welcome to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow Developer Podcast, Here's your host, Chuck Tomasi. Hello, ServiceNow admins, builders, developers, and curious individuals. And of course, I say that with the utmost respect. Welcome to or welcome back to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow developer podcast, where we bring you the latest tools, tips, and tradecraft to accelerate your career. In this episode, I have the pleasure of talking to ServiceNow director. You know what? I have to back up. It's not I have the pleasure. We. We have the pleasure. I got to back up. Before I get into our guest, we have to talk about our co-host. This is <laughs> this is a new thing. There's a new thing we're trying out. I have Lauren McManaman, also a senior developer advocate at ServiceNow joining us. How are you today, Lauren?
1: I am doing fantastic, and I could not be more excited to be joining you here today.
0: Wow. I, I apologize for almost skating right past that, but thank you for joining me. So, dear listener, you are going to hear multiple voices. You've been on the show as a guest and as a co-host when we talked about the Utah features. So, listeners should be familiar with who you are and your voice, but you're going to be more of a regular voice on this show.
1: I couldn't be more jazzed. (laughs) This is
0: exciting stuff. Exciting! A new era has dawned, and that means now I can move on to introducing our guest, ServiceNow Senior Director of Product Management, Jens. Oh, please help me with this. Strandbegol? Very, very close, Chuck. Thank you. Do, no, tell
2: me how it's re- How it really goes. We say Strandbegol, but uh, even for Danes, it's sometimes uh, complicated. So uh, I will not hold that against you at all. So, so my so,
0: emphasis was on the wrong syllable, but it was pretty close.
2: <laughs> it was very close because you say go instead of God. So by god is one I hear very often, but Strandbegol is the... Uh, it's the Danish Danish way of pronouncing it.
0: My Danish is worse than my German, so i <laughs> apologize. Thank you for clarifying that.
2: that. Of course, so Jens it's just fine. I love it. Especially these days. But good to meet you both. I'm happy to be here, I'm stoked, I'm looking forward to what's, uh, what's coming out of all this. Oh, yes,
0: yes. But before we get into the ERP customization mining, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Yeah, <clears throat> uh, as uh, as my uh, surname suggests, I uh, live in Denmark. I've been working with uh, uh, ERP SAP customers for 20 25 years, and uh, primarily on technology, on process changes, on innovation. And uh, in two thousand twenty one, uh, so it's now acquired Geekbrain, a company where I was the co-founder and CEO, uh, and joined uh, in um, in creative Workflows, where I head up SAP. Strategy and execution, mainly uh, focused on re-platforming the old Gecko Brain product, which is now called ERP Customization Mining in ServiceNow, and it's on the platform. Again, we follow the rules of having everything in the same data model and and all that, and that uh, that's been that's been um, an interesting journey. But uh, now we're here, and now we're ready
0: to rock and roll. Before ServiceNow, before Gecko Brain, what did you do in real life? How did what did you do to get here?
2: Well, I've been working with technology forever. Originally, I was actually trained uh, in finance and worked for Mask uh, as a finance director for uh, uh, one of the airlines. Uh, I started as a trainee and became a finance director quite quickly. And then I got a little uh, fed up with Mask. It's a very old, traditional company. You have to have to wear a tie every day, and it's <laughs> it's not uh, it's not an easy place if you're a little bit entrepreneurial. So. I uh, left and became uh, self-employed and started companies. Uh, some have been successful, uh, and uh, more uh, have been unsuccessful. But it's been a great journey that has uh, taught me a lot about how to, uh, how to, how to um, get product uh, to the market that actually caters to customers' needs and solves real problems.
0: Great lessons, even in failure. That's That's what I love to hear. Absolutely. All right. I have a fun question before uh, we, we finish out the intro stuff. Sure. If you could eat one flavor of ice cream for the rest of your life, what flavor would it be and why?
2: It would definitely be strawberry uh, because it's got that kind of freshness to it. If you eat a chocolate uh, chocolate ice cream, it gets a little heavy and uh, mm-hmm. and you'll immediately feel, um, have a bad conscience. Whereas the, the chocolate flavor, somehow it, it's better because it might be there might be some berry in it somewhere hidden, so it's not entirely unhealthy, and it's just a little fresher. So you, you don't get fed up with the uh, with the ice cream so quickly.
0: <laughs> Good point. Yeah, I didn't say how often you were going to eat it. It's just oh, you, you may only have it's not like every meal every day. You might just have ice cream you know, twice a month, like I do. Ah, yeah, it's still still a strawberry. Uh, Lauren, what would your ice cream be?
1: I'm I'm the opposite. I have the worst sweet tooth, much to the chagrin mm-hmm. of my my mother who's a dentist. So I would probably pick something a lot more sweet. Probably, I, I'm a huge fan of the like peanut butter chocolate ones. That's oh. that's my vice for sure.
0: And you chuck. I knew someone was gonna ask me. <laughs> Is Neapolitan qualify as a flavor? Because you get three <laughs> in one.
1: I guess so. Yeah, it's a good that's a good loophole.
0: <laughs> True. True. All righty.
2: And when you're not at work, what do you enjoy doing? uh depends if it's winter or summer because denmark has cold winters wet winters i'd say more than cold and they've got uh, wet and cold summers too but they're slightly different because we've got uh, the green grass in the summer at least so summer i would play uh, golf i'd go for a run um I, I love hiking uh especially when i'm visiting uh um in the san clara office i will uh, definitely go up in the mountains and walk around and see if i can i'm, I'm dreaming of seeing a a uh, mountain lion. I have not had the the luck yet. People tell me it's not luck; it's actually luck that I haven't seen one. But you know, I, I'd love to see one sort of walking somewhere out in the distance. And in the in the winter, it's more indoor stuff. So it'll be, you know, of course, going to the gym and or, all those uh, kinds of things. Uh, but also, um, uh, playing paddle is uh, quite popular. So we do that uh, once in a while with good friends. It's becoming a, a huge thing here in Europe, especially in in Denmark. So all sorts of you know activities. Something that's uh, that's uh, fun and uh, active and and keeps you uh, uh, slightly healthy. I like that.
1: Well, that's fantastic. I, I really admire the active lifestyle. I should probably take a couple of pointers from <laughs> you. Yes. Uh, but now diving into the, the meat and potatoes of this conversation, let's kind of start off by letting the listeners know, what is an ERP exactly?
2: ERP uh, is an acronym for Inter- Enterprise Resource Planning. So originally it it was kind of a revolution for um, for business uh, in general because it was all about the you know automating to a certain extent uh, processes so when someone orders a product what happens next 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 so i need to maybe source some some materials for my product or i need to um, kickstart my or get my production going all these things there's a lot of steps involved in business and, and the idea was to sort of get an overview of, of what is a process end to end and kind of divide them into these end-to-end processes and start automating the various steps. So when someone orders a product, then that that will generate a sales order, that sales order will automatically generate a purchase order for the, for the materials or the half uh, half materials I need to actually deliver that product in the end. It will, you know, potentially uh, plan my production. So when does it go to the production line, and when does it uh, when does it get shipped, and all these things. So you could skip a lot of steps and a lot of manual work in the production process. So that's kind of how yes. these systems uh, came about and started revolutionizing business because it just made them more efficient. That they didn't have to sit and plan for every order that came in uh, manually. And again, on the if you take it on the uh, on the on the um, on the accounting side, it, it then also automatically, uh, you know, does the accounting for you as part of that process, which was really also revolutionizing. When I started in, uh, as in, in finance, as I told you, we did it by hand. So it was incredibly laborious. So we had airplanes that were flying freight for FedEx all over Europe and we sent them invoices by hand. We, we uh, when uh, we had to book it by hand, we had to reconciliate by hand. It was just a nightmare. And very, very laborious, and lots and lots and lots of paper. Those processes are totally gone, like manual processes today, it's just automated. So, that's how that's an ELP uh, system, E's enterprise resource planning.
0: Uh, I'm sensing this is very similar to what we do a series of tasks, assignments, cataloging, ordering, record keeping. Uh, Once upon a time, way back in like 2011, I did have the opportunity to have lunch with Fred Luddy and I came from an environment that implemented an ERP system mm-hmm. and I said hey this feels like we could build this on our platform and at the time we didn't have the engineering staff we didn't have the sales staff to back it there was there were a lot of pieces that needed to be put in place first yeah. so yeah, you know, we obviously aren't an ERP vendor, but who are those players in the ERP space?
2: Yeah, it, well, ERP is a um, is a very very complex uh, technology, and uh, and um, you know the some of the biggest players are SAP, the German uh, software company, Oracle uh, is a very big player as well, um, and then Microsoft has got Dynamics, uh, which actually started out by uh, Microsoft buying two Danish companies, Navision and Concord. So their entire ERP base actually is uh, is Danish. Um, so you can say the uh, this space is uh, incredibly data and tra- transaction heavy uh, to an extent that does not fit um, uh, service now. We you know we we don't really want to be what we call a system of record uh, because that that's not where we that's not what we excel. That's not what we have the experience. We don't have any experience building uh, ERP systems and ERP processes. So that's not really. Um, that's not really in our DNA, but uh, for SAP, for instance, the German company, that is their DNA. That's what they do better than anybody on uh, on Earth. They, they have incredible, uh, incredibly powerful uh, algorithms uh, lying underneath their, uh, their system, and their data models are incredibly complex to, to handle all this. So, uh, yeah, those, those, those would be the, uh, the, the main ones. And the ones I've worked in, with the most, is, of course, uh, is uh, SAP. And we mainly find
0: ERP in the manufacturing space. Is that correct, or is it elsewhere? No,
2: no, 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 no. It's everywhere. okay. So in manufacturing, it's still called ERP, but you'll have that... um, uh, I I just met with a a bank, uh, a huge European bank yesterday. They run uh, SAP as the ERP system. But again, sometimes ERP gets confused with just um, uh, the finance piece of things. So some will run SAP and call it an ERP system, but they'll only use the finance module. But that's still... Um, uh, has these automation features where you can actually tap into that and make sure that it handles that everything is re- recorded as as part of your business. So, if you're an insurance company, when you send a, a, a quotation to a customer, you might be using Salesforce for that, but you know sooner or later it's got to end up in in SAP. Even if your quoting mechanism is not SAP, uh, it's still part of that ERP process. But that means also that ERP processes. Every company has got an ERP. Process, but you can say enterprise resource planning. You know, it mm-hmm. is not necessarily a machine. It can also be people. That's also a resource. So, for that reason, it uh, it covers you know any business, any enterprise in the world. And you can say SAP is unique in that they only serve the biggest companies in the world. So, if you go to the thousand biggest companies in the world, you know probably ninety of those would be running SAP, or ninety percent would be running SAP, definitely.
1: Given that we've kind of established then that these huge uh, ERP companies have really taken 20 years to perfect these algorithms and storage mechanisms for all this data, what serviceNow's um, or I guess I should say, uh, what is the attempt that ServiceDAO is making with this new ERP customization mining, or ECM? The thing that's so cool—it's an—it's uh, an acronym within <laughs> yeah. an acronym. Well, you
2: can you can say that the uh, and it's more than uh, I say twenty years. I think it's we're talking 40, 50 years, right, to get to to the point where they are at uh, present. One thing that, as I mentioned before, these ERP systems are incredibly complex, and they have to be able to. To handle any kind of business process, any kind of uh, material, any kind of master data, there's so many things that they've got to take into consideration, and that means that the data models are uh, amongst the most complicated you can imagine, uh, because they have to allow for that flexibility, they have to allow for for you know uh, business in 200 countries and with you know 100 thousands of, of employees, so that complexity. Uh, that has grown over time. It started out being, you know, a little more than a, a bookkeeping system. To you know, we also have here's our stock and here's, you know, our production planning and so forth. To, ma- to, to now, where they, for obvious reasons, they've tried to to uh, send out their tentacles to get more and more users on. So they want to cover more and more processes, more and more business functions. For obvious reasons, because that generates business, and that generates revenue, and you grow from that. And that also means that that a lot of people that have no. Um, inclination to spend time in front of a computer in front of a of a of a uh, an erp system now has to spend time in front of that computer and and you know typing into that erp system if you look at sap you know many many places where they have these uh, cheat sheets cheat sheets uh, lying around because there's so many um so many transaction codes you have to remember there's so many uh Shortcuts you have to remember, and it's just impossible. So they'll all have a, a cheat sheet lying around like we did back in the 80s and the 90s. And that's still very often nece- nece- uh, necessary because it's not easy to simplify inside that ERP system itself. So uh, uh, with that complexity comes a number of issues. One is the user satisfaction. If you go back to, to- 2004, Chuck, you met uh, Fred, you know, the initial vision was to build or to you know help you know, make, make, make work easier, really, you know, get, get mm-hmm. a question answered, order a chair, all those things that was just getting too complicated. So you wanted to make that easier. And 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 if you look at how an EOP system works, it does not make make anything easier. It's very, very difficult for obvious reasons. It's complex. Secondly, if you then need to change these systems, you've all, all heard that, a, you know, an SAP project is a billion dollar project, I'm sure. They're very, very big projects. It takes a lot of time to just you don't just buy software and you you run it. It's a huge project to, to adapt it to your processes. So in some cases, even adapt your processes to what an ERP system will, uh, will uh, work with. So once you've got that up and running, something happens, then all of a sudden, you've got a change. And it, today, uh, you know, things happen faster than ever before. We could see that with the Suez Canal, Corona. We could see that with the, the war in Ukraine. Suddenly, you have to really, really, really quickly change something and adapt to uh, to new market trends. That is very, very complicated, very, very difficult, very, very expensive to do in an ERP system, for obvious reasons because they've got this. They are super tankers now. ServiceNow has the ability to be that um, system of engagement or system of action that connects multiple. Um, systems of records, like SAP, we, we call those uh, systems of records, that we can connect multi- across multiple um, systems of record. That means that you can do innovation incredibly fast uh, in ServiceNow at low cost without having to interfere and change that super tanker, the direction of that super tanker, because we tap in where it makes sense uh, in, the, in, in all the right systems. So with ServiceNow, we can adapt to market changes. Market changes rapidly uh, at much lower cost, and this brings me to why is ERP customization mining then an issue or a um, a a, um, a thing? Well, if you look at uh, these super tanks these ERP systems, initially there was only one way. If you want, if you had a a, a specific you know uh, your process was different than your competitors which it should be otherwise you probably don't have any competitive advantage then you could either uh, configure your sap system to sort of adapt it to your process but there would always be all these all these um, um you can say uh, border areas where you were, were so different that you could not just configure the system to live up to your uh, to your needs the only way to handle that originally was to build that in Whomever delivered the ERP system in their programming language inside the core of that ERP system. So imagine 1989. You know, you, you could not build, uh, you, you could not buy off the shelf any software and just integrate it with an SAP system. Integration was not a thing back then. It was just document exchange. So that meant that that company started building all sorts of applications inside the core of these ERP systems. And I was with a, a global, huge uh, electronic. Um, uh, manufacturer uh, quite recently, and they told me that they built a return warranty, uh, uh, a a return warranty system, inside the core of SAP in 1989. In that mm-hmm. old reporting, you know, programming language, that program is still in use and has been extended to you know uh, millions and millions of lines of code with 376 different checkpoints. That is a monster of a program developed by thousands of programmers over time that probably haven't commented half of that code, right? That means if you <laughs> need to change anything in there, you destroy the entire process so nobody there touches. Uh, and you would not have done that today. You never, never, ever go and build that from scratch inside uh, a, a core of another system. You would build it outside and integrate it. You just couldn't do it back then. So today they've got to rip that out and find another way to handle that process. Otherwise, they, the core gets too heavy and too cluttered. So the idea behind ERP customization mining is that we can scan that SAP system and look for all these, um, uh, look through all these custom codes to figure out what have they tried to build, and is any of that uh, relevant to move to ServiceNow? Again, not everything in an ERP system that's been built inside that ERP system would run better on ServiceNow. Definitely not. Uh, so you don't want to move everything, but you certainly want to move everything that connects across systems or where you have, have uh, any kind of workflow involved, all of these things where we just shine and do stuff better than anybody else, you would you would build that from scratch today on ServiceNow. So, of course, you'd also want to replace stuff like that in, in your EP system with uh, apps on ServiceNow. So that's what we're looking for. That's what we call it, customization mining. We look at all those customizations and try to, to assess which ones would be good on, on ServiceNow. And if... We then see something that would work on ServiceNow. We we make it easier to develop it on ServiceNow by allowing those um, data objects from the um, from the ERP system to be available also in ServiceNow in a mirrored version. That was a long explanation.
0: That was amazing. And in case the listener didn't catch it, ERP systems are big. Yeah. There was there was a point in time in my career about 20 plus years ago where I was an ERP administrator. I went to the training. It d- doesn't wow. show up on my resume or my CV or LinkedIn for a very good reason. I don't ever want anyone calling me for that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. what, what what's the AP system was that, Chuck? It was JD Edwards, oh, yeah, which remember. was later purchased up by Oracle. Exactly. And uh, it, it took uh, like six years to implement this across a number of global manufacturing sites, oh. which is why I asked the manufacturing question. I'm a bit myopic on that. Yeah. And uh, it, it they didn't upgrade. They were still using the 2020 software. And I remember the mantra. We had just come off of Mac pack on the AS 400, which was heavily mm-hmm. customized. And they kept saying, we're not going to customize this. We're going to use it out of the box. No, that didn't happen. <laughs> no. That didn't happen. It, 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 you know, I wish I had a dollar every time someone said that. Now, but I, I, I totally get it. And I, go, wow this this is a game changer. Does anybody else anywhere do anything like this, where they can go in and assess and uh, the the ERP customizations and say, look, we can do this better on the ServiceNow platform. We can integrate so that your upgrade times don't take.
2: 20 years, the, the SAP has launched the new version. Uh, th- that's a reason for, you know, why we started the company that uh, so it's now quiet. And and uh, the current version, the old version is called ECC. The new version is called S4 HANA. You probably heard these things uh, uh, here and there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so those pro- projects, those upgrade projects, depending on the size of the customer, of course, but they are, you know, five, seven, nine years is not, uh, it's definitely not out of the question. They're billion-dollar project just the upgrades because it's a whole new database structure, a whole new data model, whole new application layer, uh, and that has uh, that's that's causing a lot of headache. So we're trying to help make that easier by eliminating some of that custom code because the custom code, you know, that's not the biggest issue in that migration, but it it doesn't help uh, and it it definitely um, um, elevates the risk of that migration project going well. So again, um, to your point, if we can help remove some code and replace it with stuff on ServiceNow, we have definitely uh, uh, minimized or, or uh, but we have minimized the risk and the cost of those uh, migration projects. Does anybody else do anything like that? Yeah, that was too. That was actually your question, wasn't it? <laughs> so the uh, I'll say that a lot of companies focus on the custom code uh, because it is, a, it is an issue. So even SAP's got analysis tools to analyze the custom code to figure out how is it impacted by all these changes and so forth. But the question becomes, uh, you know, if you you just analyze the code and try to find out how can it be remediated in order to run uh, in a migrated scenario, that still gives you the same clutter uh, once you've migrated. So that doesn't make a lot of sense. And then in some cases, you'll have uh, uh, big um, system integrators like Deloitte, Accenture, and so forth running these migration projects. They'll, of course, be looking at, can we sort of re-implement the ERP system? And then with the new version, can can we make it fit your processes uh, better? And that's a super interesting thought. But even so, the custom code is there for a reason. And even with a new version of, of SAP, you still have to customize because... You can't use standard standard. That's just not the way it goes. So there will be code that you have to understand and replace with something or move outside and replace with something. And and that piece, looking at that code and, and finding out what could be replaced with no-code, no-code applications on service now, nobody else is doing that. Years to upgrade people.
0: Can you fathom that? Mm-hmm. And, and, and our customers are telling us, and it sucks up resources you know people are dedicated to these upgrades for years yeah and, and you you compare that with oh, it took me two months to upgrade service now i know, I know <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of being fa- facetious here we would love to have your service now upgrades be like a few days and you're done kind of thing but yeah just it, it's amazing how big those are yeah it is learn what do you got
1: what do I got? Well, I guess I was kind of pondering back to the days that I was on the sales team. Um, this is this is a very common conversation that we always brought up was, you know they have all this amazing amount of data. They've tried to automate it within the ERP platform and it hasn't gone the way they'd wanted, but we would always reach a standstill. And I'm, I'm interested to see like, or at least talk a bit about the concept that you had brought up, which was ranking. So not only are we identifying these customizations, but you're telling me that this application can actually suggests to you which are the most viable for custom apps? Witchcraft, I say. Is there any insight you can give us on how that works? Yeah,
2: <laughs> it's, it's AIML, and I have no yeah. idea how that works in practice. I know that we can... We can, we can, uh, we send in a lot of data. We've, uh, we've done a lot of uh, machine learning and then it starts thinking at a certain point in time. So, but what we're doing re- really is again, that algorithm is going to be, that's going to improve over time because we start with the version one now and that'll improve as we get more and more data, more and more learning. And we, we, uh, we, uh, we get some feedback into what works, what doesn't work. So initially, you can say we look at a, um, if we look at a custom program, we can see what kind of uh, data sources it's connecting to, what, what kind of tables it's touching. And then we can see if we've got those mirrored already uh, available in service now. So what we've done is we've created a, a library of, of you can, you can call them typical SAP um, uh, standard objects so that they're kind of mirrored in service now. That means if you are working with an SAP sales order, we have something that actually contains the same fields uh, and uh, which knows which tables are used for an SAP sales order. So if you have a custom program that we can see, oh, this is reading SAP sales orders. Well, then you know that part looks like we have that uh, that ready already. And then we look at you know other things to see: does it make sense? Is it something that's very deeply ingrained in the transaction? Then maybe it's not uh, a a good ServiceNow case. And as I said, this will improve over time. We'll look into more and more aspects of of the programs we're looking at to make make that algorithm even better. So right now it'll be a, a list of candidates that we think, or our <laughs> artificial intelligence thinks, uh, will be will be good candidates. And then the next step will be to look at those and say, okay, what does it actually do? And if so, you can you know, you know upload a screenshot and say, hey, this is how it looks today. And then it'll be handed over to a service now developer. And that's where the magic happens, I believe, because now all of a sudden, because the, the SAP data objects have been you can say, translated in ServiceNow, it's not that, we, again, we're not storing the data. We're just mirroring the data or the, uh, the data in, in ServiceNow. So if you want to work with an SAP sales order, then instead of working with the SAP uh, field names, which are five letters and complicated and impossible for anybody, but SAP programs to understand, now you'll work with a field name called uh, material number or quantity or storage location. So real English, which is uh, a lot more useful. So that means that at we once we've ranked them, once one uh, a program has been chosen, you can actually leave it to a service now developer to do the actual development without having to bother your um, SAP resources with it, which is really good because as Chuck said, those are huge budgets, huge projects, everybody's working on it and, and they don't have time to do everything. That means we can now suddenly um, uh, leverage the ServiceNow developer community to develop against SAP. And I think that's huge.
0: Okay, I'm going to do a reality check on you, Jens, because you talked about the ServiceNow developers. How long would it typically take an ERP customer to build a new app? You know, take that <laughs> process out of, out of SAP and put it into ServiceNow.
2: Very good question. It all depends. It's like asking how long does it take to build software, right? It, it depends a little bit on what I'm trying to build. Yeah, but true, I, <laughs> true. But I'll say uh, <laughs> we have a we have a very uh, um, a very fresh example of a um, uh, we build a report in ServiceNow and we put a ServiceNow developer in front of the um, um, from a partner on. Um, on a tpp instance they owned uh, which was connected to an sap system we told them build a report that gives us a uh, an overview of the material stock levels um across the globe and on top of that um, uh, you know connect the workflow to those various uh, elements so if something sticks out in the report you know just you know kick off a, a workflow step one building the report itself you can do that relatively quickly in sap but uh, but sometimes especially if you are if you have to do it in in their programming language, called the ABAP, which is the way uh, you often did things with the current version of SAP, mm-hmm. you and, and you have to get it through um, through to the production system, and the release cycles vary from company to company. I've worked with a lot that only have two release cycles a year that so goes from dev to queue to production. So before it actually goes to production, it can take any any time from you know a month to six months uh, for that piece. But on top of that, there's typically a backlog you've got to go through. So um, because the SAP people, they have other things and often more important things to uh, to tend to. So you've got to wait for that slot where they can actually go develop whatever you want them to develop. So I would say when we, uh, when we did this, it took uh, less than two hours to develop the actual report on live SAP data. Um, and that would have taken longer, definitely longer in uh, the SAP space. Uh, can't say how exactly how how much longer, depending on how you wanted to do it. Anywhere from let's say four to eight hours plus the testing and so forth. Next step is to attach a workflow to it, which could be done again in service now uh, in in less than another uh, in less than the next two hours. You would have you would have uh, defined a workflow and set up some groups and some actions. That would have taken you know weeks uh, to do in SAP. Um, so in direct comparison, it depends on the on the application. But it's it's um, it's um, you know there are things you could build faster in SAP though because they are more meant for SAP. So it it it's unfair to compare those things. It's just incredibly fast to develop anything that contains workflows, for instance, in ServiceNow reporting all those things. It is just super super fast, and I I have to I get to see anything as fast as ServiceNow on that. Um, and then the the good thing is that you can develop it outside, so you don't have to go through those hoops of moving it through the uh, release cycle from from dev to to, to quality check to uh, to uh, to production in sap
1: yeah it seems that the concept of of just scoped applications on service now kind of unmarries you from exactly. that really deep complicated backlog exactly. and that alone kind of offers you a lot of freedom a lot
2: of agility yeah exactly yeah plus the uh, plus the access to the resources again if if uh, there there the, the you know the budgets in many enterprises are now directed towards that S/4HANA migration they've got to do it before 2027 2030 at the latest with extended maintenance that means they've got to do it and they are working on it and they start seeing the benefits because S/4HANA is not only a hey you've got to move to S/4HANA or you'll not uh, get support they are, they can actually see business cases and they can see the value of doing it so now they're directing the budgets towards that but that also means that Everybody working on the SAP uh, platform in the company, or a lot of them, are tied up in that migration project. Budgets go towards it, resources go towards it, and still, with the legacy they've got of all that that technical debt, all that custom code, uh, the um, research shows that about 25% of the budget actually goes towards maintaining the old code, maintaining the technical debt. So leaving 75% for these huge, huge projects. So people are stressed. They're, they're booked up. They're working, you know, a lot. So if you come to them and say, hey, I need a report so I can see the material stock levels. Now I want to have a, a workflow test to it if something goes out of, a, you know, out of threshold. You know, you, you'll get, the, you'll not get, the, it's not first response. You'll not be number one. They get two in the backlog. You'll have to wait a long time. And it's not something they like doing because right. it's not super valuable. It makes a. It's much more valuable to work on business transformation, digital transformation, upgrade to S four and That is valuable. That creates makes a difference. But what we do makes a difference on on the on the you can say on the uh, in all these um, all these uh, uh, fast market adaptions You need to do with the fast response to process changes uh, that needs to be done. So. Us working in uh, with SAP is just a is just a a win for both SAP and for ServiceNow because it's just a, a match made in heaven in that case.
0: Well, we also have that common thread of Bill McDermott. Yeah,
2: <laughs> agreed. For the listener who may <laughs> not True. know,
0: Bill McDermott was formerly the CEO of SAP before he came to ServiceNow. Exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah, and it's a, it's a it's it's not a serious game. Um, you know, we we make it easier to market to for Hana. We make it easier. To run SAP, you make people happier with SAP, and SAP make businesses run better. So all in all, it's just uh, it's just a super combo, a very powerful one.
1: Well, we've spoken a little bit about how this improves the the lives and I guess the levels of stress for SAP or like ERP development teams. But what does this actually do for ServiceNow developer teams? Like, yeah. obviously, this podcast is kind of targeting them. So, what could this uh, ECM product really be bringing or opening up for their their the projects they could possibly be working on?
2: Yeah, no, that's a super good question. So you can say uh, before we joined in 2021 so it's now always been focused on uh, especially since uh, bill arrived on how can we use our platform to augment or enhance the capabilities of for instance sap and and um, and other systems of record and we've done that incredibly well especially on workday or all these things uh, on sap we still have uh, discovered one very important thing is that because sap is so you know, such a powerful platform. It is also an incredibly complex platform. So if you were to go and develop anything on ServiceNow that integrated with SAP, anything that sort of enhanced SAP, it would require SAP knowledge. Otherwise, you, you, you wouldn't get very far. Uh, and that's all, you know, uh, well and good, but now with limited SAP resources available and they are focused being a little bit uh, uh, directed to- towards these uh, migrations, how can we solve this uh, and solve for these, you know, for this rapid process change for these SAP customers? So what we're doing with with uh, with my team is that we're we're looking at how can we add semantic layers, so to speak. Uh, you know, internally we sometimes you know jokingly call it glide for SAP, but we really want to make it easy to use and access SAP from ServiceNow with no SAP knowledge. So we put this interpretation layer, the semantic layer, in that you can work with data objects from SAP uh, without understanding SAP. Next step will be you can work with uh, with SAP SAP's uh, APIs, those that are called BAPIs, without understanding the, B, uh, the the BAPI's, but just understanding ServiceNow. So we we have you know the the, the vision is to make ServiceNow a you know an innovation platform for SAP for Oracle going that way for dynamics ax at, uh, at a later point in time uh, I hope you have a disclaimer on uh, you know safe harbor notice on all this but safe harbor safe harbor <laughs> <laughs> good so that that's the that's the plan on uh, on the long run to say this is a this is just a platform that's unique for fast innovation plus our local capabilities this allows In time, citizen developers, at least business analysts, business users, to start solving their own problems on the ServiceNow platform, irrespective of how complex their ERP systems are. This is just a, a whole new order. You don't need a programmer to solve your problem, like we've said many times. But we're making it, you know, reality against those complicated SAP systems or ERP systems out there.
0: Well, Jens, as we draw to a close, I always love this question from our product managers. Can you give us a hint of what's on the roadmap?
2: But so for this year, uh, we'll be extending, uh, we'll be extending the capabilities. Of course, we're making the algorithm better because I'm, I'm sure this is uh, this being number one. I, I, uh, I, I am not hundred uh, percent sure about the quality of our, our of the score that we give the code that we look at. I'm sure that'll improve quite a lot over the time and the stability and all that. And secondly, we also want to be able to um to both read and write from uh, from sap uh, instantly so it's very easy to create an application let's say it's code to order and that creates the order and that moves on so we have that level of of uh, flexibility all around um and then uh, uh, finally on the roadmap of course support for uh, for ax Dynamics and a whole host of of sample content, we call it. So inspiration for people that are thinking about how what can I, how can I use this against an ERP system? We want to we release a lot of, of inspirational content, so sample apps that they can you know, connect, test, work with, improve, copy, whatever they want to do, uh, for to make it even easier for a ServiceNow developer to to develop groundbreaking stuff on ERP systems.
1: For the lucky people that take this plunge early and kind of start using your product with the the release of the the Utah version, do you have any words of advice for them?
2: Yeah, go ahead. You'll be first. There's a huge market. There's no doubt that there's an, an a need. Like I've you know, I'm looking at the responses we get from customers, the questions we get right now is that this is just uh, this is just beginning to take off uh, at a level you will. That will surpass anything you've seen before in terms of development. This is the uh, definitely the future for ERP innovation. There's uh, no doubt about it. That's so cool.
0: I love these early technologies when somebody has a chance to jump in, be the early adopter, and shine as that rock star. You know, two, three years out, it's like they had the foresight. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jens. Thanks. Before we leave, can you let the listener know how they can get in touch with you?
2: Yes, uh, they can uh, simply uh, reach out to me on jens.standregor at servicenow.com, and I'll be uh, happy to uh, to respond.
0: We will spell that for you, dear listener in the show notes. Don't worry about that. <laughs>
2: yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but but if the question is too technical, I probably might not be the right the right uh, person there. But uh, I'll be ha- happy to uh, to send it to someone who can help. Perfect. And again, we're also building up a number of of support sites and and uh, and um additional um content online to help the service so now developers that have seen the light and want to be the uh you know the rock stars of the ap world in the future.
0: Well, thank you dear listener for sticking with <laughs> us this whole time and joining us. Don't forget we do have other podcasts you could listen to, other ServiceNow podcasts in particular. You can find them at servicenow.com slash community underneath the events menu, or you can go to devlink.sn slash podcasts. Ooh, we got a short link for that too. Subscribe to this and any of them for absolutely free, so you get them automatically delivered. You can find it wherever you find your podcast. Breakpoint is brought to you by ServiceNow, executive producer, that'd be me, Chuck Tomasi. Video and captions, which come out on YouTube, are done by our own Earl Duque. And to find out more about the ServiceNow developer program, we invite you to go over to developer.servicenow.com. Again, thank you so much, Jens, for sharing with us today. Thank you.
2: Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure.
1: Please let us know what you think about this podcast. You can leave feedback or ask questions in the ServiceNow Community.
0: For more great information on ServiceNow Development, check out the ServiceNow Developer Portal at developer.servicenow.com. Thanks for listening.
2: Just uh, fire away and see what takes us.
0: I as long as that's what we're here to do. You know, if we're here to talk about cigars and bourbon, then we're in the wrong place.
1: Well, it's, it was your question, so it was your question. Is it? Yeah.
0: No, I did one, what what you uh let's Oh hell yeah, we're keeping that in.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's a nice thing about editing. So, given that these companies I, or, or let me start over.
0: Well, see we're still learning these transitions and we can edit that up. When said in a certain way, it almost sounds like Bill McDermott.
2: No. And this uh There's
0: there's no... uh... Like I said, we'll make it sound better in post-production.
1: Do you have any words of advice for them?
2: Yeah, well, I can do that. (laughs) (laughs) How's that sound? Really cool. So cool.